Hey there, and welcome back to A Conversation for One podcast, the show where I ramble on and discuss a wide variety of topics ranging from horror, sci-fi multimedia, film universes, theme parks, TV, Canadiana, and uh, well, yeah, so much more. I mean, I talk about everything on here. You guys know this by now. So I want to give a big hello yet again, one more time, to my five faithful listeners as well. Again, uh, any members of L'Association Canadian Francais de l'Ontario, the Association of Canadian Financial Officers, Australian Catholic Film Office, or any other grouping with the initials ACFO. I'm not changing my podcast as far as I know, um, but if you stumbled onto any uh, looking for ACFO, this or that, hey, thanks for coming by. I hope you stick around. Today is going to be quite the episode. Um, just like the last episode um, for a podcast that hugely promotes horror, I really don't have too much. We started out strong, but you know, I, as I kick going, it, it's it's sci-fi, it's it's theme parks, it's it's a bunch of everything. And uh, I know last episode ran um, a bit long, but this episode we're going to be doing black and white horror. Yeah, so uh, the first one was foreign horror, this one is going to be black and white horror. It's not going to just be called black and white horror. I'll think of, obviously, some sort of fun, overly drawn-out title for the uh, podcast. But yeah, uh, horror, as I said before, is not only uh, one of my favorite genres of film, um, it's also like I am totally into the history of horror. Um, I love I love film. As I've said in a couple podcasts, I studied film in university. And aside from most things, you know, uh, especially I felt anyways, like I loved his history and I loved film. And uh, as much as, as with most things, uh, I loved university because it taught me so much about like, appreciating like history, appreciating film, what to look at, um, things I had never seen before. Uh, one thing university did though was absolutely kill a lot of my interests in, um, in film and in history because of the, just basically waterboarding you with like professors opinions and doing assignments on like parts of films that you couldn't give it like a shit about. Um, but we're not here to talk about that. But what I was getting at though is one thing it taught me was a greater appreciation for um, black and white film. Now I know black and white films um, usually prove difficult to get through. Like I said in the last episode, this is kind of like a two-parter. If you if you haven't listened to the first one, uh, foreign horror films, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a bit long. This one I'm definitely going to try and make a little bit shorter. But I kind of went through this a bit, but kind of in a similar uh, aspect of like foreign films, um, black and white films for the average moviegoer, even people who enjoy film in general. Sometimes they can be a little bit hard to get through for a, like a cluster of reasons, whether it's uh, slow pacing, um, dated dialogue. The fact that color isn't in the film uh, leaves a lot to be desired, especially when we've been spoiled for the last few decades with like cutting edge color and crisp special effects. But there is lots to be desired. Um, moodiness, lighting, editing, just overall story in general. Like the story is ultimately what you should be taking out of it. And I love horror films in black and white. Personally, I think they add like a little extra kind of like ambiance. They set the tone a lot better. Plus to me, it, it's always a classic spooky. Like a black and white film to me is like very much the popcorn film. Like when I think classic horror, in my mind, it's black and white. It's like a 1980s slasher. It's a, uh, I don't know, maybe like a, a good like, uh, possession film and then yeah like if I'm thinking like I'm gonna sit down to something that it's usually like a black and white horror film if it's not one of those other ones or I love like I said in the last episode Spanish horror 
is the, the, the creme de la creme. Like that's the best stuff. But just to give a little bit of background here, again, I, I don't want this one to be another two hour episode just because like I know everybody has a life and it just takes me like, I don't know, I feel like I grow a beard and like I'm 89 by the time I'm done editing this, like getting all the ums out of here. But um, yeah, so there is sometimes a lot less to pull you in. But I think if you give them a chance, the story for a lot of these are really, really good. And I'm not going to be recommending stuff here that I think would be garbage. It's all going to be stuff that it's not so much for like beginners, like getting into black and white, because there's nothing really to get into. It's just you have to sit down and you got to watch a movie. Um, it's not like they're speaking a different language. I don't, I don't think I had any foreign films on this one. I Oh, you know what? That's a bold lie. I'm starting off with a foreign film, but that's the only one that's on here. Um, so yeah, I know uh, myself personally, uh, I was always fascinated with the idea of black and white film. Um, like I said, I took history in university, so I was always interested in these films because simply I was just, even as a little kid, I was, I was, I was a bit of a history dork. Um, so if it was black and white or like three-tone technicolor, like that's like your really sharp, like um, contrasting like colors where things don't quite look right. It looks like a movie. I guess that's kind of like the best way to explain it. It's like, it's not like real life colors. It's like, you're basically just, I don't know. Oh, have you guys like ever seen like um, Aviator? like Martin Scorsese's Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio, he like copied that for the film. Um, like the the color, like the tones, like if you look at like the peas in that, they're like a, a specific type of green and they're not like, they don't look like they're real. Um, I don't know, it's kind of hard to explain, but if you want to like kind of get an idea what like the three tone, like kind of Technicolor vibe feels like is I would recommend The Aviator, not just for that. It's a fantastic film. I love that film, but just to kind of get an idea what the colors kind of look like. Anyways, whenever I saw... Um, one of these films, uh, I always just figured I would be learning something, you know, or like it was strictly, or like if I wasn't learning something, it was strictly for horror movies or it was strictly for a Western film, um, like Cowboys. Um, two, two genres as a, as a kid, honestly, that I was not about. I hated horror movies as a little kid and I, I still really don't like classic cowboy movies. Um, my brother loves that stuff. My grandfather used to love that stuff. My mom likes that stuff. I don't, um, but horror, thank God, I grew into, and uh, I started dipping my toes into that when I just got a little bit older. So, let's say like just for that um, that little story that I just gave you, I was probably like between six and eight, and probably right around after eight, that's kind of when I started dipping my toes into some horror. Still very much scared, but curious, you know. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've always loved black and white uh, film because obviously that's not the truth. It couldn't be further from the truth. Um, it's definitely something I learned to respect and admire. Like so I was saying in university, um, it, it just, it is something that this more so than foreign films is something you have to really, you have to really like want to sit down and watch this. Like just because like it is black and white, it's, it's it's easy to lose interest, I guess, because it's not as much grabbing your eyes. And because it's in English, it's easier to kind of turn away from it and just kind of listen to it, like pull out your phone and just kind of go. Um, and I couldn't like all I can say is just don't <laughs> don't do that. Um, maybe just put on the movie and just sit down, put the phones on the table somewhere and just sit down for the movie. The downside is, is OK, so there's two flips of the coin here. One on one hand, a lot of especially foreign, uh, not foreign, especially like black and white uh, horror films are short. A lot of them are short. Like we're talking short, like an hour five, an hour 15, an hour 20. Like they're not going to be a long movie. 
But on the other hand, sometimes they're like long, like two hours, 40 minutes. Like, I don't think I have any on here that are like that long, but definitely um, if there is, if I don't start with that, obviously, I would not start with that. But if you want to get through it, maybe take a break, watch half, watch a quarter or a third, and then keep going through the, you know, watch one one day and then the other the next day. I wouldn't recommend that because it kind of kills like the story, but if it's just too much for you, it's kind of like slogging, maybe don't even finish it. But if you want to finish it, um, that's, that's kind of what I would recommend there. Um, but yeah, I learned to, uh, respect and admire those, those types of films in university. And I mean, I, I still, I still love it now. Like I liked black and white when I was a kid. Uh, one of my first horror movies I ever watched was King Kong from 1933 and still one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. Still one of my favorite monsters. I would pick King Kong any day over Godzilla. And I mean, you didn't have to make me sit through that. Like you weren't forcing me to watch King Kong. Like I'm, I'm saying like, just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's a bad movie. You might just not even have to like put any effort into it. It might just pull you in instantly. Um, but yeah, other than that, like it's like most things, if it's good, then it's good. Right. So there's no difference there. Um, and if it's terrible pacing and date it in the wrong ways, like in the wrong ways, like um, stuff that's not even like charming, like for the date, you know, like just like very racist or very sexist things like, you know, if there's like a dame in here, go clean up doll or something like that. Like, you know, you can kind of let that slide. But if there's like some really bad stuff in there, I'm I would never recommend you watch it. And it's probably not going to be on the list. I, I, I don't think it's going to be on the list. I, I mean, they're horror films. There isn't too much of that stuff. Um, but anyways, let's get this puppy started here. Oh, by the way, if you guys are listening, um, just like the last episode, the last two, nope, three, last three episodes, we've had um, Nancy Savio from Nancy Savio Poetry on the show. I know somebody else on the show. It's not just me. Um, so if, if you haven't heard any of like the last three episodes, especially the last episode, which is like one of my faves, we have a little segment on the show called Poetry Pause, um, and that's, again, by Nancy Savio. And she takes, I don't know, somewhere between like 40 seconds to two and a half, two and a half minutes maybe. Uh, and she she has like a, um, a themed like poem, just a little break, you know, just a little palate cleanser from listening to me go blah, 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 like forever. And uh, they're fantastic. And just like the last three episodes on this episode, there's definitely going to be another Poetry Pause with Nancy Savio. And it is fantastic. Uh, now, the last poem was kind of like a rhyming type poem, which was really good. It was a good story. And this poem is very atmospheric, but less rhymy. Um, so you get to get a little taste of uh, different types of poetry. And uh, I think you guys are, you are going to really enjoy that. So stick around. I usually kind of pop them in in the, uh, in the middle of the episode. And uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. So anyways, without uh, yappering on any, any more about uh, my life and the, <laughs> the, the podcast... Why don't uh, why don't I actually just start talking about about black and white uh, black and white horror? Okay, all right. So let's get this thing going. It's coming from the deep dark recesses of the mind of Mel Brooks. I love him. Young Frankenstein. Ah! 
means business. Young Frankenstein! Oh dear, nothing left. What shall we throw in now? Starring Gene Wilder as Dr. Frankenstein. That's Frankenstein. But what about your grandfather's work, sir? My grandfather's work was doo-doo! Peter Boyle as the monster. <laughs> Marty Feldman as Igor. My grandfather used to work for your grandfather. I'm sure we'll get along splendidly. Oh, sorry. So... <laughs> Loris Leachman as Frau Blucher. You played that music in the middle of the night? Yes! To get us into the laboratory? Yes! And it was you who left my grandfather's book out for me to find. Yes! So that I would... Yes! Then you and Victor were... Say it. He was my boyfriend! Kerry <laughs> Gar as Inga. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? Roll, roll, roll in the hay. Kenneth Mars as the inspector. And Madeline Kahn as Elizabeth. Where am I? Calm down. What are you going to do to me? I'm not afraid of you. Listen, I, I'm, I have to be back by 11.30. I'm expecting a very important call. Kill the monster! Storm me, castle! It's Young Frankenstein. Yes, I think we could all use a good laugh. But don't see it alone. Don't miss Young Frankenstein, personally directed by Mel Blazing Saddles Brooks in black and white. No offense. So the first film that we're actually going to talk about today is called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. This is a uh, 2014 uh, American film, but it's kind of like a little... Um, bridge you know if you listen to my last episode I ended it with two um, old foreign films um, kind of just like is a nice little segue and the other uh, parts of that bridge um, is gonna be this it's a Persian language film it's American but it's all filmed in um, Persian and uh, it's a it's an interesting one it's not it's uh, it's wow I don't even know how to describe it it's tagged as the first Iranian vampire Western. And basically I feel like that sums it up perfectly. It's got totally like that, like twangy guitar kind of vibe going on throughout it. And like everybody's kind of dressed like either very uh, Western or like a, um, um, well, like not just Western, but like not like Western as in like Western civilization and Western as in like cowboys. Um, and it's set like, I don't even know where it's kind of set. It's um, kind of feels like Texas, to be honest. That's kind of what it feels like where it's set in. And it follows, well, this girl uh, who, I don't even remember what her name is. Let me just pull this up here on the old, uh, old compu here. Right, so that was stupid on my part. The girl is just called The Girl. She doesn't have a name. It's probably why I couldn't <laughs> remember her name uh, from the movie. And uh, this movie is definitely one I would recommend. It's got a great release by Kino Lorber, so it is available on Blu-ray. And because it's available in North American Blu-ray, you can almost definitely find it on iTunes, Amazon, Illegal Torrenting, or any any other 
uh, sort of thing. But this movie uh, saves like it saves no punches. Like it's uh, dark. There's like um, prostitution. There's like uh, violence, and the vampire kills are like top tier, great. Um, just within like the opening scene, you just you know you don't really know what's going on here. I don't know. And then like this girl shows up and uh, she's just kind of like basically the film makes it seem like she's just like at the beginning, like she's just a girl, like why are you out here? But she is like a flash, you know, she's like a dark shadow that just moves like instantly. And she follows this guy home who was basically like, um, I guess kind of like blackmailing, like forcing this other woman who, um, portrays like another is another main character throughout the film um, to like do like sexual deeds for him basically to uh, I don't know to uphold her end of the bargain for whatever kind of shady deal they were doing I guess but anyways um, quickly just rips this guy apart um, goes right to the neck like I mean the blood is like everywhere and for a black and white film like basically what I'm saying is like a black and white film does not have to be old. It does not have to be an old, slow, poopy movie that like nobody's interested in. There's tons and tons of creative like artists and directors who have made wonderful black and white TV shows, movies, um, even YouTube videos. I mean, I wouldn't put them in the same caliber, but some are like pretty good. What I'm just getting at is it's like just because it's black and white doesn't mean there's not going to be gore. Just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's going to be slow and poopy. And just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's going to be from like 50 years ago. Um, and even that, I mean, there's probably a lot of color movies 50 years ago. But so yeah, it's a 2014 movie. And I felt like this would be the best way to like cap off this. Like, I don't know why. Why do I always say cap off? I'm not really sure. So the best way to start off this episode. Um, let me just give a little. Um, I can't. There isn't a little synopsis. I should have just had one ready. But this film, if like, don't just take my word for it. If you ever go off like what critics say, I mean, like take it all with a pinch of salt. Um, it has a 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and if you are down with the whole feminist movement in horror and you want a strong like female hero, well, this movie has two of them. And the, the girl is like iconic. Like the movie poster for this is like, amazing and like it's not like flashy it's nothing it's literally like her face which is like pale and the rest is like black and it's just you just see her all of the scenes are at night too for the most part there are some in the daytime but for the most part so then you add in black and white and it's very atmospheric her character just in general pulls you in and this movie is a bit of a longer one it's an hour 40 which I mean, in realistically, that's not a long movie. And a normal, typical movie is anywhere between an hour 20 and an hour 40. So it's just a standard movie. Um, it's quick. It's modern. It's a little artsy. I'm not going to lie. It is a little artsy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a fantastic film. I just watched it for the first time, actually. Uh, a little bit about me is that I buy lots of movies tons of them and uh, especially boutique blu-rays like not just like your run-of-the-mill stuff and then I just never open them I never open them um, which has come to benefit me quite recently I'm selling a lot of this stuff and they go for very high value um, I couldn't be happier for the stuff I do sell but anyways I had this film easy two years now and I never watched it in fact I didn't even end up watching my blu-ray I just 
found it through other means, uh, you know what means I'm talking about, and uh, it was it was great. To be fair, to be fair, and I, I hate doing this, I hate recommending something that I didn't finish, I didn't finish this movie, not because I wasn't interested, not because I didn't care, but just because of time, I've been swamped, and I, I, I would have to guess I had maybe 20 minutes left, which is a shame, I should have just finished it before I did this, um, but yeah, I, I only got through like the first three quarters of it. But that being said, I would easily watch it start to finish again. I wouldn't even just do that 20 minutes. I'd just watch it all again. It was great, and I enjoyed it all, and I thought, hey, why not? You know, So I don't think I could talk any more vaguely about this film, but I highly, highly recommend it. It's called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and uh, it's fantastic. Now, the second film on our list is something of a, a, like a little favorite of mine. It's not like an absolute um, gem. It's not, well, it, you know what it is. It is a gem. It's, it's a treat, really. But I'm not going to say this is like a five-star film. But it's been a while since I've talked about Vincent Price. So I figured this has got to be on here, like no doubt. I feel like I've talked about this film before. Like I feel like I've talked about this in a previous episode. But I couldn't quite remember. So I was like, yeah, what the heck. I'll put it on here anyways. And that film is uh, from 1959. It's directed by William Castle. If you are a horror fan, you should definitely know who William Castle is. I don't have the time to talk about it right now, but William Castle um, was a director, producer who went to like any means to get like a cheap thrill, to get some sort of reason to pull you into the theater. Um, for example, The Tingler. He would put like little vibrators under all the seats in the theater, so at certain times the seats would go off when The Tingler was coming. I mean, stuff like that, right? He was the guy who pulled you in uh, to the theater. If you've ever seen uh, Matinee by Joe Dante, I'm really getting off topic. I haven't even said what the film is. But if you've ever seen Matinee, that's basically John Goodman's character is basically kind of playing William Castle. Um, just if you ever want to taste. And Matinee is a fun movie. It's a fun romp. Picked that one up too. Never opened it. Definitely. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to hold on to that one. I think I might uh, sell that. But anyways, the film is called House on Haunted Hill with Vincent Price. Um, so Price plays an eccentric millionaire. Um, and basically he says, my wife and I, you don't, I don't, I don't think you ever see the wife. Like, I think the wife stays in her room. But basically he says, like, my wife and I have invited you like five people. They're all different types of people. Like, I think they're reporters One's like a reporter, one's like, they all have like different traits, you know, like they're not all like just randos from the street. He pulled them in for certain reasons, right? So he invites these five people uh, to his house for a haunted house party. And it's, I don't know, like the story has definitely been redone in like lots of other uh, shows. It's even been remade into multiple movies. Uh, but basically, whoever stays in the house for one night will earn 10,000 bucks. So 10,000 bucks. Let me just pull it up. The inflation calculator here. Inflation calculator. Yes, I'm on the computer. I know it's not that professional. But we'll pull it up in Canadian dollars here because it's the first one that popped up. So, 10,000 big ones, right? It said 10,000. So, 10,000 in 1959 in Canadian dollars. Wow, would be eighty-eight thousand. So he's offering in current dollars eighty-eight thousand dollars just to stay one night in this house. One night in this house. Um, but as the night progresses, more stuff starts to happen. You know, like people are seeing stuff, things are moving, 
people are being like scared out of their minds and uh, or people are just going missing right there's an assortment of stuff and uh, I had heard about this film for a long time but the other thing with William Castle is like he had he pulled people into the seats because the films weren't like amazing you know blockbusters they were made on the cheap and they were very much um like character pieces you know like he would put a bunch of people into a room and there'd be cheap special effects or he um you know anything to kind of save a buck he'd like film on locations he wouldn't make sets stuff like that but this is one of those films i feel the poster is next level by the way if you have not seen the poster it is like the skeleton this massive skeleton like bigger than the mansion and he's like holding a a noose in his hand with like a lady like dangling on it and then you've got obviously vincent price just holding a candlestick in his hand just holding the candle uh and it's like house on haunted hill and i love the way the h is like flick i always thought it'd be really cool if i got like a a tattoo with like a flick and for a while when i was a kid i always tried to add flicks on my h's uh for horror links but that's even before i even saw this but so when i just see this poster now i'm like that's that is art that's art anyways so this film is public domain that's how i ended up seeing this film um i'm pretty sure it was on amazon so if you guys are in in canada especially i'm sure america's got this too i'm sure america maybe even the uk they have better much better selection than canada does um or anybody listening in like australia new zealand wherever wherever right i don't know where exactly amazon prime targets entirely but Amazon Prime, specifically for Canada, that that's what I can attest to, has a ton, a ton, so much, like so much good, like uh, classic horror, black and white horror, exploitation horror, um, so much stuff, and like foreign stuff, like a lot of like Italian stuff that came in, like French stuff, Czech stuff, like tons, just all the types of horror on there, and like a lot of them are public domain, or um, they're from like kind of like schlocky, like boutique, um, um, boutique, uh, I guess like distributors like Vinegar Syndrome. I love Vinegar Syndrome, but there's a ton of stuff like uh, what is it, House on Sorority Row or something like that. That was great, but that's on here and a lot of the stuff too. If you're like I'm digging this, but I'm not really feeling this. For a lot of these films on Amazon Prime, they're colorized, so I mean it's sacrilegious and it's like it's sinful and those people should be persecuted and like burned on the stake. But if you want to watch it in color a lot of them have been hand drawn in and they are available in color for a lot of stuff if you're watching it on amazon prime even though i would entirely recommend that you watch this one in black and white it's got a couple scenes that are like iconic um and i will kind of spoil them if you've seen like any sort of like horror stuff you'll you'll know like this face pops out it's a very specific face and it like will scare the bejesus out of you it is one of the only kind of like legit still scary scenes in the film not like ah like actually no more like ah like that and not like haunting you for like weeks like a a really solid like psychological horror and then there's just kind of like a really cool special effect with like a skeleton and i think that's probably why it's on the poster um and there is a really cool twist at the end um unlike uh, the girl who walks home alone at night i have seen this at least three times in the last two years it is one of my faves i cannot get enough vincent price i still can't master a good impersonation other than just saying his name, which is like the absolute cop out, you know, if you're ever going to do an impersonation, if you have to say that person's name or who you're impersonating, it's not very good. Um, but yeah, this is not that long of a film. It's 75 minutes. Oh, and because it's public domain, you don't have to watch it on Amazon Prime. You can almost find this film 
anywhere. But Amazon Prime does have a pretty cleaned up version. I don't, I don't know who released this. Oh, so Shout Factory released this on the Vincent Price Collection number two, um, which again, I picked up. I, I just had a really bad habit there for a good three, four, five years where I was just like, need it, got it, have it, everything. Um, but that one is still decently priced. I mean, it is public domain, so it's not really worth buying it on Blu-ray, but if you want like the best version of it, that's where you're gonna have to find it. Um, it's not the best movie. There's definitely some really cringy stuff, but if you love Vincent Price and you just want like a cool kind of fun, rompy black and white horror film, this is the one that you got to start with. Absolutely. House on Haunted Hill. And yeah, so moving on again, uh, this, my list for this, um, episode is far smaller and I'm not going to talk about like a lot of details in these because if it's a cool part, like the part that I want you to see, I want you to watch, I'm definitely going to ruin it because like these black and white horror films, a lot of them, like there is some cool special effects, but, um, if they have like one shot that they like just dumped all their leftover monies in, uh, into it, that's the shot. Like, it's not like a current horror film where there's like tons of like cool scares. It's like, then it all builds up into this one scene. So if I'm like, that's the scene that's still memorable, I'm really not going to try and ruin it for you again. Like I'm walking this fine line here of like trying to appeal to people that might watch a lot of horror and like want to know, um, or want to hear about something that they know and they love about black and white horror. Like, yeah, finally, someone's talking about black and white horror. Can't wait to listen. They already know all this stuff, I'm assuming. Um, so I'm trying to make it a little interesting for both. But definitely, like, in my next couple episodes, I got two new episodes um, planned. It's going to be full spoiler territory. And I'm going to tell you that right off the get-go if you're listening. So not doing it really for this one, though. Anyway, so next episode next episode come on tyler figure it out buddy um next um movie we're going to talk about is another film i've never finished so again i feel awful about recommending it i did i had all of them queued up ready to watch and i just haven't caught a break i haven't caught a break between working like all day like every day basically and like doing the podcast stuff. And like I said, I, I have my own Amazon store. I'm just like, like constantly busy and not even like one of those, like I worked a part-time shift this week. I'm exhausted. Like literally like I wake up at six in the morning and I don't go to bed until like 11, 12, uh, at night. And then I'm rinse, repeat, uh, pretty busy. So anyways, the film, <laughs> the film is the classic David Lynch, Eraserhead. Now this film is not at all my favorite black and white David Lynch film. And I really, really, really wanted to include The Elephant Man um, because it's just, it's got John Hurt and he's one of my favorites. And and it's just a fantastic film. I love The Elephant Man, but it's really not horror. It's like kind of atmospheric. It's got some spooky kind of things. The makeup is like, oh, fantastic. But it's not really horror. But on the other hand, David Lynch's first film, Eraserhead from 1977, is definitely a horror film. It's a, it's kind of experimental, I'm not going to lie. Of all the films that I have on here, far more than a, a Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, this is very much an artsy film, is experimental, and uh, it is a body horror film. So there's some kind of like, not gruesome, but like weird body stuff. Like if you like David Cronenberg stuff, like Videodrome or... Uh, the Brood, or anything like that, you're you're, you're definitely going to dig this, uh, Eraserhead. It is, it's very, it doesn't, 
it's not the highest of quality. It's really not. It definitely has very much a student-made film vibe. Um, but for in terms of a first feature-length film from from a major director, like you can't go wrong with Eraserhead. Uh, I only did get through like the first half, like solid watch um, recently, getting ready for this episode. But I've seen like a bajillion clips um, from like tons of the different videos on YouTube. Seen like a bunch of clips when I was in university. This is a film that is often dissected and for good reason. It's like, it's a very well-made film. So basically the story is about this guy named Henry and he is left to care for this like weird looking, I don't know. It's like a small little, it doesn't look like a person. I can tell you that much. It kind of looks like a weird dinosaur animatronic that like didn't age right. Like all like the, 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 foamy rubber is like sagging and stuff it's tiny it looks it's this little deformed child and he's in like this desolate like kind of like construction construction-y kind of like landscapey landscape landscapey that's not a word tyler kind of like vibe there's lots of bricks there's lots of like metal like steel frames and stuff and uh, yeah basically that scene that that's one of the scenes it's one of like the iconic scenes um it's like he unwraps the blanket of it, and there's this weird, deformed child. I don't know. There's lots going on in this film. Luckily for you, if you are going to put this on, it's not a long film. Coming in at 89 minutes. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, that's that one scene. There's tons of, like, creepy stuff. Like, like I said, this is a body horror film. That's the one scene I was thinking of. I was like, there's more than just, like, the baby. There's this uh, his girlfriend. I'm pretty sure this is the same girl. Uh, Mary and uh, she's got like this massive face is this the right movie like I feel like let me just pull this up here Mary X oh no maybe that's not the right character <laughs> am I even thinking about the right movie hold on one second here just give me a hot minute erase her head girl nope girl Am I even thinking about the right? Oh, yeah, I am. Okay, so I honestly, I don't know. Oh, it's not the girlfriend. Sorry, I am so sorry. But there's this one girl. It's not like the best special effects, but it is super weird. Like I said, this film is super, not super. No, it is super. It's experimental. It's artsy. There's a lot of weird stuff. If you know anything from David Lynch, you know like that guy's on a whole other level. Like, I don't know what happened to him as a kid. I'm not saying like it's, it's weird. Okay, like, it's weird. Like, David Lynch stuff is weird. I was, like, trying to think of, like, a well-educated way of getting around it, but, like, no. So there's this girl, anyways. She has, like, massive cheeks. Like, massive, but they look almost like styrofoam. They probably are, to be honest, like, glued to her face. And she's got, like, this, like, kind of, like... If it if she looked normal, it would be kind of cute. Like, it's, like, this, like, very, like, 50s, like, blonde bob, like, curly bob-looking haircut. It's just weird. It's just weird. There's no way around it. There's tons of weird stuff in this. You know what? Honestly, I think after I'm done recording this, I might put on a racer head because like it, it is, you need to see it. It's, it's just a weird film. And like a lot of weird films I recommend, if you're going to watch it and you're like, ah, it was like not good. At least you can like bring it up if you're ever at a dinner party or you're, you're around some academics, you know, like some, like some real snobs and you'd be like, you think that's good you ever seen a razor head you know at least you could like bust that out and people are like no i haven't and then you'd be that person like well i have i sat through that so listen to me and then people are like wow this guy this guy or girl or however you identify is like they really know their stuff like wow very cultured so that's like a, a reason right so if i can't give you if my mumbling and rambling hasn't like 
hooked you on there at least you could like pull that out one day so just take notes i guess when you're watching a racer head yeah it's it's uh i would yeah i'm definitely gonna put it on if you um what films have i talked about here okay so haunted hill was out shout factory very expensive not worth it it's public domain this film is not public domain it is um I'm sure it's pretty easy to find. It's on um, the Criterion uh, collection. It's in the Criterion collection. A very nice um, slipcover case, I'm pretty sure, for Eraserhead. And uh, if you are one of the smart people, you subscribe to the Criterion channel and you got that cool discount. I am not one of those smart people. Strapped for cash a little bit. I wish. I wish. I only waited for like two years for Filmstruck to come to Canada, and it never did. But um, it'll be available there. You could watch it there. Um, and you could obviously get it through other means. Um, iTunes, Amazon, illegal re uh, means. Uh, yeah, so Eraserhead. I would check that one out. It's a short one. It's different. It's weird. It is artsy, but it's just like, just sit down for it and uh, just try something new, you know? Ladies and gentlemen, the terrible... Elephant. Man. At first, you will want to turn away from him. Then, you may find him a silent, unresisting target for your ridicule. Stand up. Stand up. Turn around. Mister, why is your head so big, mister? <laughs> but if you come to know him... Have you always been the way you are now? You will begin to see beyond the perversion of his form. Are you in any pain? Are your parents still alive? Your father? Your mother? And discover the beauty in the beast. He is English. He is 21. His name is John Merrick. At no time have I met with such a perverted or degraded version of a human being as this man. Am I to assume then that he is ultimately incurable? Yes, sir. This hospital doesn't accept incurables. The freak hunting. This is monstrous. If you ask my opinion, he's only being stared at all over again. People pay money to see your monster, Mr. Treves. I'll collect it. Yada, monster, yada. Freak. Who is it all for? Why did I do it? And perhaps for the first time, you will understand the true meaning of courage and human dignity. Anthony Hopkins. Anne Bancroft, Sir John Gielgud, Wendy Hiller, and John Hurt as the Elephant Man. Coming from Paramount Pictures. So, doo -doo 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 -doo, speaking of weird, next film, Freaks. That's right, freaks. Sorry, did I like yell that? I feel like I yelled that. Also, by the way, I am kind of all over the place because most episodes I have at least a little bit scripted um, for the most part, and I just kind of like, you know, freehand it when it after like my uh, little notes. But this one, zero notes for the most part, and uh, I'm just kind of feeling what people like because I get a lot of response like, wow, this is my favorite episode. It really felt like you were like, comfortable talking and you knew what you were talking about and it was like fun and energetic and then i get like people that are like wow the episode that was fully scripted like they don't know obviously i'm sure they might i mean i'm not like super great at editing but they're like that episode was my favorite i listened to it start to finish and it was so good and i don't know what people like uh, i really don't i mean like 
my subscribers and my followers like on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and also like on my Instagram. They're up and down all the time depending on what episode I release. So you know what? This one, not as scripted. Okay, another little coffee sip coming in here. So, Freaks, 1932 pre-code horror film. So pre-code uh, it usually refers to what is colloquially known as the Hayes Code. I feel like I'm yelling now. I'm going to back away a little bit from the mic here. It's known as the Hayes Code, um, which I don't really know when that came in. I know I needed to know it for like a ton and like of tests and like assignments in like university, but I feel it's like mid to late 30s. That sounds right. Anyways, this guy said uh, instead of like people boycotting films and like instead of having the government get involved, basically um, legislating and restricting films, this guy was like, hey, uh, why don't I handle it? I'm pretty sure he hailed from Paramount, to be perfectly honest, originally. And he basically said, listen, guys, if you guys are going to release any films, they got to abide by A, B, C, all the way to Z kind of thing. Like, no sex. You can't uh, do anything bad concerning religion. No swearing, no titties, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't know why I ended it on titties. But anyways, um, and basically, so anything that's, like, pre-code, it doesn't mean, like, it's going to be, like, super nasty. But, like, they got away with a lot more. Like, you were, it was still, it's like how films are today. So I love pre-code films to a certain extent, especially pre-code horror. Because they, that's when you get, like, stuff like, um, talking poorly about God or like human body, um, like fixation and like, um, desecration and stuff like that, which is like kind of neat. And like just weird stuff like this one has like what would be what were known then as freaks, which were like people of all different types of disabilities and handicaps and, um, just like abnormalities, um, which you see less and less of, um, but Back then, you know, you had freak shows, and so to have like a, a, a quote unquote, almost said it there, a quote unquote freak, or even just a little person like being in love with like a fully grown woman, or like having a quote unquote bird person being in love with somebody, it would be like scandalous. Oh my god, like fainting, you know, like in like those old clips, like ha ha, and they like just pass out. So you'd get a lot of that, um, but not in these films. That's why it made it so scandalous. Um, so, anyways. <laughs> Now that I've talked so much about Hayes Code, even though I said I wasn't going to, this film, Freaks, was directed by Todd Browning, um, who directed the 1931 film just the year before, uh, Dracula, with uh, Bela Lugosi, which in my last episode, I, I talked about the Spanish version of that. He did not direct that film, but he directed the English version one that they filmed during the day. And this film, uh, as with Dracula, is what Todd Browning is remembered the most for, and it's also what absolutely crushed his career just because of like i don't know i think it's just because he had he portrayed he had so many like quote unquote freaks in the film and he portrayed them as like the hero you know like the normal people were like the sick ones the like the antagonists of the film and i don't know if it's because he had them in the film or because like he focused so much on their stories that like this film just like i don't know just absolutely ruined this guy this poor guy's career and I think he's a great director. Like, I've seen this, Dracula, and I, he did one other horror film that is just slipping my mind right now. I'm sure he directed a few more. Uh, and I, I do often confuse Todd Browning with Val Luton, which is, I don't know why, but I do. And, uh, yeah, he's really, really good. This is still, to me, this 
uh, this as a film, I'm going to talk about the plot in just a second here, but is one of the better paced films uh, for a black and white film. I watched it start to finish and like, yeah, it's dated, but like not in like a um, pacing way or story way, just in like clothes and like um, speaking, you know, like how they talk. But you're you get fully involved in the story. And it's just crazy to see something that was like, by the way, this film was like banned in multiple countries, banned, cut, edited, banned, like whatever, like the full version of the film, the original film version was originally 90 minutes, but was considered too shocking. Uh, so several scenes were cut. And now like the normal film like runs at like 60, is it 60 or 65 or 70? They cut like quite a lot of the film. And apparently like the original version of the film, like the original, those original 30, 20 minutes, whatever that were cut, they're gone. So like this movie is like very like taboo, very like, Ooh, are you watching freaks kind of thing? Like, how'd you get your hands on that? Because this, again, uh, pre Hayes code and stuff after this film came out, like people were like, Oh, like the Hayes code didn't really dissolve if memory serves until like the seventies, no mid sixties, late sixties. Like that's how long, like decades of this stuff. Um, but yeah, so like just seeing freaks, you're seeing like a piece of like film history and it's good. It's really good. I recommend this one and I'm not just recommending it because of that. It's, it's a fun movie to watch and it's got like that table scene, like we accept your gobble gobble. We accept him. We accept him. That scene is catchy and it's, and you feel so warm. I don't know why, but like, it's like seeing, it's kind of like magical, you know, like the first time you watched like, um, Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory or the wizard of Oz or Heck, even maybe the first time you saw Godzilla or King Kong or, I don't know. It's just something about that scene. Like it's, just, it's just, I don't know. It's very magical. It's very memorable and it's it'll sit with you. But yeah, but these people that he had, the the freaks, if you will, of the film were actually played by real carnival sideshow performers uh, who had real deformities or real disabilities. And I feel honestly that adds to the film. And I know why obviously Todd Browning did it, right? It's just to make the film that more like real and just, I don't know, you got real people doing it. They're not going to portray themselves poorly, right? You know, like they're, they're all acting, they're in character, they're doing their best. And from what I've heard and like seen about the film, like they were just an absolute treat to work with. Like the, they wanted to be on the film and they were just wonderful people. And I love hearing that sort of stuff. I do. I really do. Because you know, you always, especially back then, you would think of like the the quote unquote freaks as like lesser people or just basically like for your own amusement, which is like messed up. And uh, it's just good that everybody on the set and the director respected them enough to let them do their thing. But that doesn't really add to the film. It's just kind of a fun note to, to think about when you're watching it. Um, but yeah, so this film, because it's edited, not long, it's an hour. So if you can get through an hour, it was easy. It flew by. I wish there was more. I would have loved to have seen it. And there's some like lovable characters blah 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 there are some like messed up parts and apparently like the real ending was like super messed up so like the ending that they've kind of like refilmed and put in like originally when they cut it it's still kind of weird it is it is a little weird and it doesn't make a ton of sense but it's kind of like like in real life it doesn't make sense in the film though you're like oh that's like creepy right but I wish I saw the real ending um, because that ending wasn't quite as cool, but it's just cool to see also to all of the uh, performers. Like you got a guy who just has hands, no like bottom torso and he's like juggling and he can do just a bunch of stuff. Really, really cool. Um, this film though hasn't been released as far as I know. Um, da, 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 da. No, I don't think so. I don't think this film's ever gotten like a, a DVD release or, or a Blu-ray might have gotten like a DVD release, but it might not have been like super official. 
Um, this is released by MGM. So uh, MGM isn't really usually big on releasing their old films unless they're like a musical or like a huge classic, you know, like Wizard of Oz or like Gone with the Wind or Ben-Hur or something. They don't, they don't usually like release too, too much. I don't know. MGM is just a weird, uh, weird kettle of fish, but yeah, check out Freaks. It's easy to find. It really is. You can probably even watch the whole thing on YouTube and it's really, really cool just to watch. It's a little bit, of, it's a little slice of history and it, it's, it still stands up. So yeah, check that one out. And what else we got on here? Ooh, this is like, oh, by the way, I'm sure I talked about Freaks. So if I have, maybe pop on like my first Halloween episode or, yeah, like I said, I, I'm always like horror, but like I only just kind of like sprinkle in a little horror here and there on like my episodes. I haven't really had a full one in quite a, quite a while, but if it's going to be somewhere, it's probably on my Halloween episode. This is my second episode I ever did. And I probably talk about it in a lot more detail. And uh, if you want to hear more about that from me, if you not, if not, I mean, Wikipedia is just as good. Check that out. But this next film is going to be a little bit more of a deeper cut. It's very old. It's called Haxon or the English title, The Witches or uh, what's the other one here or witchcraft through the ages but it's just known as Haxon. it's like h a i don't know if like a it's also an umlau but you know like the two dots x a n that's all it's called um and it is a 1922 like that's how old we're talking here but this movie is like and here comes a curse word kiddo so cover your ears for a second this movie is fucked like still it's fucked um it's from 1922 um, and it's kind of like a faux documentary style film, which is like, is weird just on its own that it's like so like meta back then because like meta is a concept we only think about maybe in the last like 30, 40 years. Um, but it it's it was like, yeah, this is, they're like, this is real guys. Like this is real. And it like messed people up. This is also another one, as far as I know, along with uh, Freaks is kind of why I included it on here because this is another favorite of mine. I've watched this a couple of times. That was banned. It was banned in tons of countries. It was um, banned in the United States. I'm pretty sure it's banned in the UK. In Denmark and Sweden, they were the two countries that made this thing, that produced this thing. They ate it up. They loved it. It was so good for them. And, like, it made tons of money, like, tons of krona. And, uh, yeah, krona is, like, Swedish, Danish dollars. I think also in Iceland, too, they have krona or kroner, depending on, like, where you're, you're going. But anyways, yeah, it was censored, like, crazily censored because it had because again this is pre-code right remember the code i talked about this 22 um it had graphic depictions of torture nudity sexual perversion it had like the devil like making you uh making people do stuff and like eating people it was like messed up and it's still like well that's like that's creepy like if you ever have like a halloween party this is the thing to throw on it's a silent film but there is music accompaniment accompaniment that's right, right? Yeah, it plays with it. Um, it doesn't need sound though. Like the fact that it's like it's creep, it's creepy enough as it is. And like I actually kind of don't mind though when there's no sound because I I actually you know like to be honest with you when it's just like the devil's like laughing or something and like he's like spanking a girl or something like that and you just hear the like that like film sound. You know what I mean? I'm just like holy like fuck. It's like sorry again on the swears, but it's like it's like almost like being Indiana Jones and like unraveling like this ancient scroll. Like I feel like I'm like watching something forbidden. Like it's like oldest time that I know nobody like knows about kind of feeling like I'm like, Holy God, like this is like creepy. Like this is weird. Like it's an experience. Like 
forget a racer hat, forget freaks. Like, well, don't. Like, I mean, watch them. But, like, this is, like, one that I feel like people should be bringing up. Like, if you, like, again, put this one on, like, in a, on, like, a Halloween party just in the background on your TV. People are going to be like, what the, like, what is this, right? Like, what is this? And you're just like, I know, right? It's a home video. Like, just whatever. <laughs> like, whatever, right? And then people are going to be like, oh, my God. And you're like, yeah, that's Uncle Larry. I mean, do whatever you want. But, like, it is, it's perfect atmosphere. Um, and it, it's, um, it's different. It's also released by Criterion Collection, still holding out desperately that they make a Blu-ray, even though I don't know how much, uh, how much they could clean this up. But it's basically, um, it's based partly according to Wikipedia on a 15th century German guide for inquisitors. Um, so it says Haxon is a study for how superstition and the misunderstanding of diseases and mental illness could lead to the hysteria of witch hunts. That sounds pretty progressive for the 1920s. Um, yeah, it's basically just slamming the whole, like, obsession with Christianity and the fact that, like, people were, like, obsessed with the devil and, like, witches and yada yada. And, like, how it's just, it's it's one thing as, like, a horror movie. And it's a whole other thing when you realize that even in 1922, like, the Swedes and the Danish were, like, just pulling the rug out from underneath us like they they knew what they were doing they were making a statement it wasn't like they were just like ha 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 like um look at how like scary we can make a film like this was like a statement um but the movie is divided into parts it's not all like one film so um the first one is kind of like a little history from what i remember and then the second part is like more concerning like the witchcraft elements and like it actually has like satan like He's tempting, like, women, and he's terrorizing people. I think that's the second part. I always remember that as the first part. I don't know. The, the part three is... Um, I think that's, like, a Sabbath. There's, like, some sort of witch's Sabbath. Like, they all kind of, like, follow a certain narrative. Like, they all kind of, like, mesh in some ways, but they're not, like... It's not like the whole movie is, like, one overarching story. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, it's, like part one is like this and then it's like a, then they jump to this and then they jump to that like they all kind of connect but they're not like one overarching story there is four parts though and it's not long um so this kind of like freaks was um originally very long and then when it got when it kind of slid out into other um releases i guess in other parts uh well not other parts other countries like it, it got cut it got heavily edited right like you can't just have titties out there in like the 30s and 40s and uh you can't just have especially in like very christian america and like that time period still now um you can't have tons of uh god fear fearing god fearing like people have like the devil basically like, be the main star of a film and without making some cuts to show like how awful the devil is right you can't like have it like a huge part of their history being like yeah the devil's bad the devil corrupt and like having a film basically like poke fun at that you can't have a film like that so originally the film is 105 minutes and apparently that some like those scenes have all been found they've all been restored which I, I i don't know if i've actually seen that version i have seen the 74 minute version and that's like usually the standard version um so that's how much it got cut like 30 minutes of this thing got cut so it's a shame but you can find the original apparently it's 105 minutes i would recommend it um it has been released on dvd like i said by criterion collection uh, i don't I don't know actually if that had the original cut. I think it's like the 74 minute one, but anyways, it's got like 
all the orchestra like background accompaniment is like really really good and it's it sounds great it's cleaned up as best as criterion could clean it up and um i think there is a new release of it to be perfectly honest yeah i think i think the swedish film institute they might have released it okay it says here 1976 they did a photochemical restoration in 2007 they did a new photochemical restoration and then in 2016 they did a tinted digital restoration so I don't know if those are available on home media but I'm sure you could probably find it in one way or another but it's really really cool a lot of people don't know about this movie Haxan it's H-A-X-A-N um, it is definitely worth your time it's definitely worth a watch and uh, I couldn't recommend it anymore to be honest I try to I put this on every Halloween, like every October, I watch a ton of horror movies, at least one a day. I try anyways. And, uh, this one has been on the list probably the last three years, four years. I love it. And I've watched it a couple times, not in October, still good. I mean, it's not like watching in a specific month makes it that much better, but I've seen it quite often and it holds up every time. And every time I watch it, I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't remember that. You know, like that kind of a feeling. And you're just like, you take away something again. It's kind of like when you you uh, you play a video game and you're like, oh, I forgot how good that was. Or you listen to music and you're like, oh, those transitions are so good. You know, something like that. But yeah, it's not long. Hopefully, you can see, if you guys are looking for it, hopefully you can find that 105-minute one. I think that'd be really cool to see. And again, just like Eraserhead, if you watch this and you really don't find anything enjoyable out of this, which I find impossible, um, you can at least, you know, when you're going to that like fancy dinner party with all of those like fancy academics, you can be like, Oh, you guys have seen Eraserhead. Well, have you guys seen Haxon? And they'd be like, oh my God, this guy again, or however you identify. And then you just blow, blow minds with like, yeah, I, I, I listen to ACFO podcasts and like they teach me a lot of stuff. Or you know what? Don't even, <laughs> it's on me. Just say, uh, yeah, I, I'm into a lot of this stuff. And then people are like, wow, we got to invite this guy to more fancy dinner parties. And unfortunately, you're going to have to buy a lot more formal wear, but um, you know, at least people want to talk to you. Anyways, anyways, uh, next one on the list is a fantastic film, and I'm not going to jump further back in time. I could. I definitely could. I had a couple silent films I wanted to include. If you dig that, though, if you're digging that one, if you watch Hacks and you're like, oh, wow, that was actually really good, and you want some more like silent black and white films that are going to like mess you up because they're like really creepy, check out Nosferatu. That's the original one, not the... Um, not the remake and not the John Malkovich one. There's like a remake. It's like Shadow of the Vampire or something like that. It's got Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich. So not that one. And don't watch the remake. Um, I mean, watch them. They're both fantastic films. But look for the original. I think the original is from the 20s as well. Silent film. Very creepy. Lots of cool shadow effects. Um, check out Dr. Caligari. Um, that one is not my favorite, but it's always up there with uh, Nosferatu. And also check out Vampire. V-A-M-P-Y-R. You can find, I'm pretty sure, all three of those films on YouTube. And Vampire is, like, good. Like, that movie, I don't know why that movie isn't talked about enough. Like, if those are, like, the three amigos, Vampire is the one who's, like, usually left out. Okay, like, Beatles. Like, you know, people always talk about, like, Paul and John. And, like, George is, like, just as good. Like, I mean, I'm a Ringo guy, but George is just as good. People don't give George enough credit. That would be Vampire. Like, Nosferatu is the creme de la creme, whether you, that's your John or your Paul. But Vampire is definitely George. Like, George is, like, a good member of the band. People don't talk about him. Check out Vampire. I know for a fact. Like, if you want, like, the best version, it's on Criterion Collection. But I know for a fact Vampire is on YouTube. You can watch that whole puppy for free. It's not long. Check out that Bad Larry. It's a good time. 
Um, but the next film on the list is from the 50s, I believe. Let me just pull it up here in my notes. So the next one is Night of the Hunter. It is from 1955. This is a thriller film, technically. But from what I understand, I mean, this could be wrong, and this could be from, like, what I heard. It was, like, marketed originally as a drama, which is, like, why, 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 why? This movie creeps me out. I remember watching this one with my mom, actually. She's always funny. Like, she's just like, ooh, what are you watching? Is this a creeper? Is this a creeper? And I'll be like, yeah, it's, like, it's a scary one. I don't know if you want to watch it. She's like, what's it about? And I give her just a little bit of the background, even if I'm, like, halfway through the film. She's done this also when I watched uh, Kronos um, a couple years ago. It's like, oh, this and this. And she's like, oh, okay, what's he doing? Oh, what's this? Okay. And then just sits down and watches the whole thing. And then by the end, anyways, when we're watching Night of the Hunter, it was like, we were both like, yeah, that was, or like when scenes were happening, like, oh, no, 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 no. Like stuff like that. Like, or like talking about like days later, like still can't get this out of my head. Um, so this film, I guess, was marketed as a drama, which is a shame. Even the fact that it says like, it's a thriller, like it rides that line kind of between thriller and horror film just because like, I would say it's like a psychological thriller or horror film. And it's the only film directed by Charles Lawton. Lawton? Lawton? Lawton, I thought. Anyways, it's not really important. We're not talking about him. Probably never again, actually. Which is, is it's, I just, it's a shame that he didn't get to do more films because this film is so good. But, I mean, that has long since passed. And anyways, um, the plot... Actually, it's got Robert Mitchum. So if you guys know who Robert Mitchum is, he is like the driving force of this film. And... There's tons and tons and tons and tons of references uh, from about this film and like everything from like The Simpsons to like a, a Rainer Fassbender film or an Altman film or, you know, it's tons of stuff. Like even the whole thing, like he, this guy, uh, Robert Mitchum, before I talk about the plot here, like even on like his knuckles, he's got like love on like his, his one hand and then hate on the other. Like you see that on tons of movies. Like you might not notice it, but from now on when you watch anything, if you ever see it, that's exactly what it's referencing. Like, this guy is messed up. So the plot is focused on a corrupt minister, quote-unquote minister. Like, I don't know if this guy's actually, like, a minister. I think he might just, like, that me be the facade. He's, like, portraying, like, oh, I'm just a good old minister. Like, you can trust me. Like, it just portrays, like, Americans especially as, like, oh, if he's a minister, you can trust him. Like, I mean, like, keep always, like, one eye open with anybody, right? But anyways, so he's this, quote-unquote, minister who's, also a serial killer and he is like a con artist and a swindler and he's basically this lady um her husband just dies and he i don't know if he tells her but he tells the kids for sure like where he's kept like all his money or they know or whatever right anyways i don't know why but they're either talking about it or somebody else is asking about it or saying like this guy's really rich anyways word catches up to robert mitchum's character who attempts to to basically sweet talk this widow and like marry her basically like talks to her for like five minutes and it's like well this is your new daddy which is always in any film older new i'm always like what the fuck sorry again for another swear there but it's just like why is that a thing especially like too it's just like your dad died a week ago here's your new dad like i don't i never understand how that's like an okay thing like it doesn't make sense and it'd be so traumatizing for that child like their dad they're like 10 years old or whatever just like dad don't die dies mom instantly moves on because like needs a big strong man to take care of her and it's like this is your new dad now he doesn't know your names and he doesn't care about you they respect him and do whatever he asks like as a kid i'd be 
pissed. But anyways, this happens. So the guy marries this girl, and he's trying to get the ten grand hidden in her uh, hidden wherever it's hidden. I can't remember where it's hidden. But anyways, we did the math, right? This is fifty-five. Uh, house on Haunted Hill was fifty-nine, right? And that ended up being close to eighty-eight grand. So let's just say that's close to ninety grand that this lady's just holding on to cash, straight cash. So his plan is I'm going to marry this woman and knock her off and then take the money. But the kids also know where the money is, and the money will go to the kids before it goes to him. So he's like, easy fix. I'm going to get rid of the kids too. Uh-uh, not today. The kids are like literally being chased by this psychopath, and he's like taking his time. He's like whistling shit, and he's just like, yeah, like, just like, look at the moonlight, and blah, blah, blah. It's the last thing you're going to see, stuff like that. And it's just like it's haunting or like, Knowing that they're like alone in the woods, he'll just be like whistling a tune, just like waiting for them to come out or start crying because he knows that they're in there. It's like, it's literally like psychologically like haunting. Like, I, that's probably the best word. Like, watching it, it still stays with me. There's this one iconic scene, and if you've seen this film, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, can't remember though if he's like whistling or if he's singing, but. Basically, the kids eventually escape, and they find this, like, old woman who, like, takes them in. Like, at this point, it's, like, uh, just for shelter, I'm pretty sure. But anyways, takes them in. It's says, like, you stay in here, I'll keep you safe. And so she's sitting on the porch, and she's got a rocker. She's holding her gun. And he's, like, either, I don't can't remember. Like, I, I watched this uh, two years ago, so it is a little foggy, but I still remember the scene. And it's, uh he's like singing or he's like whistling he's just like waiting there with like his i don't know if he has a gun but he's literally just like on the fence just like whistling and like waiting and she's like sitting there and eventually she starts singing back like like don't mess with me buddy and he still sings like he's like he wants that money so goddamn bad that he's like i'll kill whoever gets in my way and he just the way he just like psychologically like messes with these kids and like just I don't know like there's once like I the girlfriend just watched it and she was talking to me about it and like that's kind of what sparked like um a bit of my memories about it but she was saying like uh like the one scene like the kids like barely get away and they're like floating down the river and they're like dead like they're so tired and they're like okay at least we're we've got a bit of an advantage because they had a huge advantage and they fell asleep and then they're in the water and they're like they wake up and they hear him whistling on the horse just like watching them from the water and i just couldn't even imagine that kind of like fear like holy shit like what do you even do like you're he's right there now like that whole advantage you had is gone like this this movie i oh my gosh this movie is so goddamn good if you can't tell by like my excitement like so good like i like i said two years ago and it's still like fresh it's a normal paced movie it's 90 92 minutes i think 90 yeah 92 minutes that's what i wrote down here and um yeah it's just it's it's fantastic like people love this film uh it's very moody the black and white does nothing but absolutely enhance this film i couldn't imagine this film being done in color like everything's like in the shadows the way they use the lighting um it's fantastic um what else I feel like I've talked about this kind of a long time, but. Oh, right. So this film was released by Criterion Collection. You can definitely get a really good copy of it. I uh, I recently just actually, I think I just sold my copy. Don't worry, I have another one. Um, not that you actually were worried, but it is available. Uh, you can definitely buy it on iTunes, Amazon. It's easy to find. It, it, well, it might be on Amazon Prime, to be honest. You might be able to watch it for free. 
Um, but it's definitely going to be on the Criterion channel if you have it. And uh, it's well, well worth your time. Um, that's kind of like a good trial for me. Like before I put something on the girlfriend, she and bless her, like she will watch anything I put on, whether she hates it or not. But she actually I put this on her USB for her and she put it on on her own her own terms. And she, she was like, yeah, no, that movie was like good and she's like why wasn't it popular and like i said i was like i thought i think it was like promoted as a drama and honestly i don't think i think if it wasn't promoted as a drama like this movie would have been like an all-time classic from like the original generation it came out for till now i think only like recently maybe like since like the i don't know probably like after a re-showing it like it it resonated with more audience members probably for sure but it's definitely I would say, like, I enjoy watching this film far more than I enjoy watching Citizen Kane. It's not like a horror film, Citizen Kane, but this is like, I feel it's like top tier, peak, black and white film classic. So definitely check out The Night of the Hunter. And now that you've listened to me blabber on for a while now, what are we at here? At an hour already? Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, I was like aiming for like an hour and a half, but you know what? I keep saying, it's going to be a short one. It's going to be a short one. It's... it's probably not gonna be at this rate we're probably looking at another uh, hour like a not another hour but we're probably looking at another hour 40 episode at least anyways though i thought now would be a perfect time uh to um so i thought now would be the perfect time to uh give you guys a little break and uh actually why don't i give you guys a little poetry pause see what i did there anyways uh yeah so enjoy listening to the wonderful nancy savio Hi everyone, thanks for listening in to this episode of A Conversation for One. This is Poetry Pause with Nancy Savio Poetry. This is a slightly different poem than normal in terms of style. I hope you enjoy it. It's called The Black and White of the Night. The morning starts with the soft yellow glow of sunrise, a little ember waiting to ignite the day. It doesn't take long for the flame to spread, brightening the world around. It's so easy to be distracted by the bright tones and forget the fear that was only a few hours ago, and now, only a few hours away. As the sun illuminates the world around me, I get lost in the beautiful colors. The mini rainbow of traffic lights, the fluorescent white lights of the office. Even the hue of brown in my coffee cup is preferable to the black and white of the night. The day winds down and I seem to race the daylight home, praying I win. I get inside with moments of color to spare and quickly try to collect myself before darkness comes. As the light fades, you can feel the hopefulness being sucked from the room. Spaces that seemed bright and safe in the morning, those exact same spaces, are now desolate and unforgiving. There's something about nighttime that allows you to hone in on your fears, insecurities, mistakes. The only way to escape is to close your eyes to the ultimate darkness and pray for morning. The black and white of the night holds its breath in fear, where the technicolor dawn exhales hope. The black and white of the night can make you forget that any color ever existed. The black and white of the night can haunt you into the morning. The black and white of the night can make the biggest rooms swallow you whole. The black and white of the night can creep into every nook and cranny, even if you lock the doors. The black and white of the night. 
Now, back to our program. All right, so I have a couple more films on here. Um, and then I was thinking I was going to do like a little bit of a lightning round. So just hang in there with me. I'm going to cut down a little bit on what I talked about. Um, so uh, one film that you need to check out is I, if you guys listen to um, the Kaiju conversation that I had with Mr. Scott Fawcett, uh, we brought up The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, which is a, a wonderful uh, monster movie. It's a stop motion, like a claymation um, stop motion uh, movie from 1953, if memory serves. And um, it is a fantastic film. It's a shorter film. And uh, if you want to hear more about it, um, the episode isn't like the best audio quality. Unfortunately, I'm really sorry about that. Um, but we talk about it quite a bit. And uh, it's basically a precursor to every like monster movie. Like that is like the daddy of monster movies. Like aside from King Kong, like that is the very much the nuclear radiation monster that's like pumbling and like destroying like a, a modern day like city basically and it holds up it's kind of short if i remember correctly it's maybe clocking in at 70 minutes if if i'm if i'm correct and uh the monster is really really cool it's very awesome design like it only gets better from there but i think that's peak harryhausen for me i love that film and it's black and white and it fits this um, episode perfectly uh, you can find that easily it's on playstation store it's on amazon it's on itunes i've seen it multiple different places and you could probably even watch that one on youtube to be perfectly honest it won't be the best quality but you can watch it there it's kind of a cool one to watch especially if you want like a good monster movie um yeah i was going to talk a little bit more about that one but I, i'm seeing here that i've mentioned it on like at least two other episodes so that's all I'm going to talk about for this one. But yeah, if you want a cool monster movie, there's tons of good ones out there. Tons, tons. Like the peak um, 50s, 60s monster horror movies were all in black and white. And if you want like some other good ones, um, there's lots to look up. If you look up uh, Beast from 20,000 Fathoms on Google, it'll give you lots of related ones. Tons of really good ones out there. Um, and if you that what's your whistle and you want more, I mean, you can always check out the favorites. Uh, you could get on to like... Um, them, which I don't think is black and white. It might be, uh, I mean, obviously King Kong, Son of Kong, Godzilla. Um, and yeah, like there's lots and lots of cool ones out there. And if that tickles your fancy and you want more like claymation, Harryhausen did a ton of good stuff. So look up Ray Harryhausen and like, you'll see like it's, he's did a lot of, a lot of really good movies. Um, he actually did Mighty Joe Young, which is kind of like a weird spiritual successor to uh, King Kong. So if you're digging on all that and you want some more stop motion effects, go check those out. The next on the list is a, is a film called The Innocence. I don't know if you guys have heard of this one. So The Innocence is, um, it's, a, it's a 60s film. I think it's 61, 60, I think it's 61 or 62. Anyways, it's a British uh, psychological horror film and it's, uh, it's, it's good. So this film stars Deborah Kerr, the wonderful, the very lovely uh, Deborah Kerr, and uh, it's based off the novel, uh, the novel, The Turn of the Screw, which a lot of other um, adaptations and um, plays and movies have also been kind of um, adapted from Turn of the Screw, which admittedly I've never actually read, um, but now I obviously know the story because I've seen a bunch of stuff um, uh, that was adapted from it. But anyway, so he titled this film The Innocence, and uh, he basically borrows most of the primary, uh, the primary source text. Um, so the plot is uh, a governess who, and this is from Wikipedia, uh, I'll give more details in a sec here, but it's, the plot follows a governess 
who watches over two children and comes to fear that their large estate is haunted by ghosts and she begins to feel that the children are actually being possessed so this is very much like a film um that relies on like I don't know what the term is for it to be honest, but it's like back and forth, like twists. Like you are on the, you're, you are completely on the journey of the protagonist, which is like Deborah Kerr's character. And I love films like this because you are figuring out stuff exactly when the character is figuring out stuff. Like there's no like foreshadowing stuff. This film, because it is so um, quintessential in like horror history and um, basically just, uh, it's been like, um, homaged and stuff has been borrowed from it from so many times that like it now seems kind of like primary in terms of like um in terms of like just i guess it's just general horror film because other films have taken it and like amped it up a bit but this film still holds like true and it's still like extremely watchable and you're still like just as much uh, in for the ride as you would have been in 1961 or whenever it came out and i love this like when you're figuring out something with them and you're like oh it's definitely this and then the film's like, no, and like flips it. It's like, you're like, oh, well, if it's not that, then it's definitely, oh, no, no, it's not that either. Okay, so then that must mean that this one's, nope, they're not, okay. Okay, and then this is my, uh, and then all of a sudden the movie's like, bam, and this is like, oh, my God, right? Like, insert like troll two, like, oh, my God. That's basically what it's like, like, when you find out like the twist after like going along for that like that ride with them you're like that's crazy and uh yeah this film's great it's it's another um you, it's one's easily accessible you can find it on like a ton of different things um and if it's i don't know like this is one of those ones it's kind of like i i know uh, a lot of people associate this with like i think it's village of the damned with like another like black and white like british horror film um that involves kids this involves uh obviously like i said a, a woman and, and two kids um, but this one I feel is like a much higher tier like film. I would never compare it to Village of the Damned, uh, even though I've seen that happen quite a few times. But if you watch this film, um, which again, I highly recommend, I can't say too much about it without giving away like everything because it is like one of those like movies. Um, but if you dig this, then uh, definitely watch um, The Others. I don't know if you guys ever watched that, but if you haven't, definitely watch it. Don't watch that first, watch that after this, um, which I made the mistake of watching it in the reverse order. And it made this film not quite as enjoyable. Still, I love this film, The the Innocence, but I wish I watched it the other way around. Um, they're not, like, related, but The Others definitely borrows a ton from this film in terms of, like, thematics and um, story structure. Um, so, but yeah, The Others is a 2001 or 2002 film with uh, Nicole Kid Kidman and uh, Christopher Eccleston, I think, is in it for, like, a, a couple shots. I wish he was in it more. I love that guy. Um, but definitely check that out. It's not black and white, obviously, but it's the same type of scares as I was saying. Um, also, this film is uh, is a great like one on one course, I guess, like horror one on one course um, uh, for viewing before jumping into the newly announced uh, second season of Hill House. Uh, so if you guys watch The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, which is like I loved, I know some people didn't, but I loved it one of the reasons that i'll definitely hold on to my netflix subscription other than at, the, at this point like really like they have so many originals out and like half of them are like garbage or like they were made for like a tv station in like the uk and now they're here or like india like tv and now like they bought it it's like oh look it's like our new thing it's like i don't care like i just want to watch seinfeld like why don't you have like seinfeld like i want to watch old stuff that's why i bought my netflix subscription but 
the haunting of hill house is one of the reasons i would keep it and um that's again the first season was like an open and close like it's done so the second season's on something else um so if you love the innocence the like they're reinterpreting interpreting um the adaptation of turning of the screw for the second season of haunting of hill house so if you want to see a different interpretation um you should check out um oh also too yeah so check that one out and uh that kind of reminds me if you like um if you like the first season of Haunting of Hill House, another like good black and white film that I was gonna put on here, but I think I've talked about it before in the Halloween episode that I mentioned, you should check out 1960s, The Haunting. It's like the same, so like the source text was like interpreted and like reimagined for The Haunting of Hill House, but like the movie The Haunting is like, um, I wanna say like the closest adaptation of like the actual source text um, and is so good. I love that film, it's a haunted house film. Um, but it actually is like the real people in the house. I don't mean like a reality movie or found footage, but the season was like a reimagining, like they're all like brothers and sisters and stuff. And I'm, from what I know, like that's not actually how the book is. It's like a doctor and stuff are going into the house. That is very much that movie. It is very, very cool. It fits this category and it uses the same source material. Um, so check out those films, check out The Innocence, check out The Haunting, check out The Others. It's not black and white, but it's a good, damn good film. And if you haven't already, check out the haunting of hill house um tv show on netflix they're all good i want to talk about the innocence more i really have maybe in a couple episodes we'll talk about it a bit more in detail after you guys watch it because i don't want to spoil it it's one of those movies where it's like it relies entirely on like one thing basically and if you know that then all the other twists and loops in the film they're not going to matter because you already know what happens and i don't want to talk about any of that and this one uh this next film i debated putting on here because it's really not a horror film but I did watch it recently, and while that's not really a reason to um, put it on here, I put myself through watching it so you can listen to me talk about it for like three minutes. So the film is called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane, which is what um, the film, or the film, the show, The Feud is based on, if anybody knows that short-lived little miniseries that just kind of came out a few years ago. Um, so it's basically like two sisters. One was like a big um, deal when she was a child star and the other one, it was a big deal when they were an adult. And now the one who is an adult is um, conveniently, um, she gets hit by a car and now she is being taken care of by the deadbeat sister who used to be a star. Um, and they basically, one lives in fear of the other one and the other one hates the other one and they're stuck in a house together. And it's that premise alone should be kind of an interesting watch. But the downside of this film is it's very long-winded and I'm not ashamed to say it I've been trying to tell you guys that like black and white films can be good um, when they're well paced this one starts out so strong it really does and then it's just like there's a definitely like I would easy cut 20 minutes out of here but the ending is cool and there is a kind of twist at the end and you're like oh wow okay like it's it doesn't really rectify or make up for me watching this thing but um, it's still cool nonetheless I don't know, can you guys hear my stomach rumbling? I like, I definitely gotta get some food into me. But anyways, so whatever happened to Baby Jane? Lots of great cinematography and editing. Like if you are a, a film person, you are gonna like eat this film up. Tons and tons of great shots, lots of good stuff. The editing is sharp, it's tight. Um, the way like the, they like edit um, between two, the two perspectives of like the both sisters when like a scene is um, taking place, you're like getting basically both um, viewpoints i guess of the sisters all within the same shot i don't really know how to explain it properly but it's not like a shot reverse shot but it's basically like shot reverse shots with the entire scene if that makes sense so like 
you're seeing like the one sister, what she's looking at, what she's seeing, what she's doing. And then you see like the other sister in frame also like quick cut, you see like a different perspective and then quick cut, you see like what the other sister's looking at almost like at the same time, but while still time's progressing. I don't know. It's, it's really, really great. I was eating it up, but at, at the same time, even though all this stuff's like amazing, it doesn't make up for like the actual film. Some people love this film. It has like really, really good ratings on like all, all review sites. And it's usually on like a top 10 list for like old horror movies. But I would not be watching this film ever again. I'm glad I saw it once. It's one of those films where I'm glad I saw it because it is really good um, in certain aspects. And uh, it is definitely, you can see why it's like a horror film staple because like it introduces a lot of stuff in that film that like a lot of films moving forward will borrow on and like capitalize off of and uh, innovate. And the film also too has some really, really smart ways to get around like Hayes Code. Like we're talking like Hitchcock level um, sidestepping the Hayes Code to like get some like graphic stuff on the screen without actually like showing it. Uh, it really, really, um, like it's smart. It's smart. Like there's, there is deaths. There's lots of, there's like a few deaths in like this film. And like realistically, it's like, oh, like, yeah, that would, that shouldn't be, I shouldn't be watching this for like this date, this date of a film, but you still kind of see it. I don't know. It was smart. I, like I admired a lot of stuff about the film more than I actually enjoyed the film. And I feel like that's a, a good enough reason to have it on here. Um, great use of symbolism to convey themes. Uh, and the symbolism added bits of the story. If you like have a, an eye for that sort of stuff, you're going to eat it up. I, I did not for everything, obviously, but for some stuff I was like, Oh, that's definitely that. That's definitely that. And just a side note, there's very creepy, realistic, um, singing child sized dolls throughout the film. They don't really add anything to the film and they don't really do anything more than just be there, which I was blessed because I hate that. Like I hate that so, so much, uh, mannequins, uh, dolls, anything like that. It's a huge nope for me. So when I saw all those dolls, it was a huge red flag. And I was like, please don't like start talking. Like I, I didn't think the film was going to go that that way. And it definitely, and it didn't. So thank God, but uh, there's the dolls are still creepy nonetheless. And that is the last film that I'm going to talk about. I do want to have a little bit of a power round though, like a little lightning round. So I'm not going to go into details. I'll talk about these on some other time. Um, You'll notice that I didn't bring up any universal horror films like Dracula, Frankenstein. I talk about those all the time, uh, I think anyways, and realistically on their own, all of those films could be on this list. Uh, they're all fantastic. But I think I'm going to actually save that for just a universal horror uh, episode. And when I talk about some of these other films, I would definitely be including those on those the, at either that one or two episodes on universal horror just because like they tie so closely to them or they're related in one way or another and the first movie is island of lost souls that's like a dr moreau i think it's a dr moreau basically it's like it's not the like you know that that book like the greatest game it's kind of like that um if you need some context where it's like one man on an island so this, these people get stranded here and they find this like doctor and the doctor is like, I'm going to make super people. This story has been told in multiple things, like everything from like, well, remakes. I think there was a remake in like the 90s and then all the way up to like Batman, the animated series. Like the, the idea of like making like people human or people animal hybrids is like not new. And uh, this movie, I feel, is does it best. It's one of the closest to the source material and it's got Bela Lugosi in there and it's great. And Criterion released it. It's it's like a fantastic film, and it's universal from what I remember. And it's weird that that's never considered a universal horror film because it definitely should be. Um, so check that one out. It's easy to find. 
Speaking of Bela Lugosi, another one I was going to include was White Zombie, which um, thanks to White Zombie, I included that in a presentation in high school that got me like a super good mark. I got like a 95 is like for English. I was talking about zombies. And I definitely without that mark, like boosting my average, I don't think I would have went to university. And I just winged that thing. Like, don't tell Miss Glass, but I definitely winged that whole presentation. And she was just eating it up and just gave me a huge mark. Um, but anyway, White Zombie is like definitely the movie that catapulted zombie movies into the forefront. Like that is like one of the first um, like like mindless kind of zombie movies. Um, it's not like your standard. It's not like Walking Dead. It's not even like Night of the Living Dead, which Night of the Living Dead I was going to include in here. But I, like I said, I, I didn't feel it'd be fair to include it if I haven't even seen it. And I, like I said, I love horror and I love horror um, history and stuff. And I know the importance of that film. I've just, I've actually, don't tell anybody this, but I've never seen the whole film from start to finish. I just haven't. Um, so I was going to include it on here because it is such a staple. So if you want to watch Night of the Living Dead, please watch that because it is, it is essential horror viewing. But it's nothing like that. So White Zombie is like it's a whole other type of zombie. It's more traditional, like Haitian zombie. Um, and it's really, really cool. Uh, I think Kino put out White Zombie, so it is available. You can definitely find it on iTunes and stuff. It's really, really good. Um, I just bought that one recently. On I think Kino had a sale. I picked up a couple of good horror movies. And then the other one I was going to talk about, I haven't seen this. It's also why I didn't bring it on here, is The Undying Monster. Um, so when like Universal Horror was like bringing out a ton of their um, monster movies like between the 30s and the 50s, as I said, I'm gonna like talk about this like more when I do a Universal Horror film um, episode. But I'll, I'll, other stu studios were dipping their toes into that. Like I think it was Paramount. They like released uh, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde um, in 1931 or 33 or something like that, which is one of my favorite films. It's so good. So like they wanted in on that action, like that horror movie action, and then I believe it was Fox. That was like, all right, we're going to do The Undying Monster, which is kind of like a werewolf movie, which is like instantly why I picked it up. But I just never found the time to watch it. And, you know, as, as things go with books, movies, games, other things come out, new things come out. And it just got further and further back on my backlog. I never watched it. But from what I saw and like what I read, the film is like kind of under an underappreciated little gem. It's a really good monster movie. It's not a lot of monster action, um, but that one is black and white, and so and it is readily available. It's called The Undying Monster. So those three movies were Islands of Lost Souls, White Zombie, and The Undying Monster. Definitely check those out. Um, I mentioned Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. You can even buy that one on PlayStation Store. I think that's where my copy is. Very, very, very good. And that one, the, that was one of the first horror movies that won uh, an Oscar uh, for Best Performance, like Best Actor. Um, what's his name? March shoot i can't think of his name but he is fantastic like that movie's great another as my mom would say creeper movie i watched with my mom and she she actually liked that one too if you do want to dip your toes you've never dipped your toes into universal horror uh, and you want to watch one of those my my suggestion to you would be to watch abbott and costello uh, meet frankenstein um that's how most monster kids dip their toes into it it's funny i like i watched it just this october and i was laughing it's a good time um before you if you haven't watched any of them that's probably the best way to start that or i would say frankenstein to be honest but uh yeah so those are just a little bit on my lightning round that's it we did it all right guys um so just a couple things here i didn't shoot i didn't even give a shout out yet so i just want to give a quick shout out to um my sponsors outro apparel uh you know them, you love them. They are the amazing, super supportive um, 
clothing company um, and they do they they do sweaters t-shirts hats and it all looks great um, I love the sweater that I got from them I wear it like at least once a week it's so comfy it looks good it's sleek yeah everything you buy from them 10% of it goes to uh, mental health and research for Canada um, I think that's mental MHRC mental research and health Canada and 10% uh, of every single sale that you make goes directly to them to help support mental health research and awareness so it's well worth your time and money and just go check out the site I'll include it on um, the show notes they have their own Instagram page which is super well run I love it and uh, the website which is really easy to use and I also want to give a special thanks to Nancy Savio Poetry who did an amazing poem for this episode and for all the amazing poems she's done for our, the last few episodes uh, you can check her out at Nancy Savio um, I think com, and obviously on her page Nancy Savio Poetry just a huge thanks to everybody for listening and make sure you check me out on um, ACFO podcast on both Instagram and Twitter. And if you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, you can definitely uh, reach out to me on ACFO podcast at gmail.com. And yeah, I would love it if you guys subscribed and gave me a nice review. I mean, you don't have to, but I mean, it goes a long way on uh, Instagram, on, uh, on iTunes or SoundCloud and um, just something to look forward to. We got another episode coming up. Next episode, I'm going to be talking about uh, King Kong 1976 and King Kong Lives. And super special, I was lucky enough to get an early copy of um, Cooper S. Beckett's new book, um, As Good as Gone. It's a uh, it's a it's a it's a sci-fi novel with a uh, a, a queer female um, lead protagonist, kind of like a cyberpunk, like 80s, 90s. It looks so good, and I don't know, I, I don't know why he reached out to me, um, but I couldn't be happier about it. And uh, so yeah, I, I I'm gonna be reading that book nice and soon, and hopefully I can do a review for that. So look for that, and yeah, I guess I'll talk to you guys later. Tyler out. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage, and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully, and come back again soon. Good night.